It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello to everyone. Welcome to Defending and Commending the Faith. Of course, the faith I am defending and commending is the Christian faith. For the last several episodes, I have been listing several fundamental parameters or what you might call essential guidelines for God's overall will for individual believers in Christ. God's fundamental parameters for His will are, of course, found in Scripture. There we find his perfect and sufficient guidelines for knowing and doing what is pleasing to him. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17, Paul admonishes his readers to understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul seems to be speaking of the Lord's specific leading of individual believers. Although his plans and directions for each believer are not found in Scripture per se, the general foundational parameters slash essential guidelines are there. And if we operate within those boundaries, we can be confident we are operating in concert with what pleases him. The Bible never claims to tell us about everything, because the basic message of the Bible is primarily about salvation. God has his sovereign will and his revealed will. His sovereign will is what he alone knows, and he has no cause to share that with us. Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29 tells us that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. He has shown us in the Bible his fundamental parameters concerning his revealed will, and that is our responsibility to discover and operate by them. To this point, we have discussed eight parameters God's will is that you be saved, spirit-filled, sanctified, and grow to maturity, develop godly character, be submissive to those in authority over us, endure suffering because we are doing what is right, be thankful, and engaged in worship, fellowship, service to the Lord, and to join Him in ministry. Now we turn to the ninth parameter. God's will is that the just shall live by faith. There are three occurrences of this statement in the New Testament. First in Romans chapter 1 verse 17, 
where the emphasis is on the word just. Second, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, where the emphasis is on the word live. And third, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, which emphasizes that the just shall live by faith. These references have their origin in the Old Testament verse found in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Positively, faith is turning towards something or someone for the sake of reliance on that something or someone. In the dimension of salvation, it is a turning toward God. The Apostle Paul gives an example of this when he tells King Agrippa of his encounter with the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. That can be found in Acts 26, verse 19 and 20. Faith in God has several components. I believe it was the theologians of the Reformation, including Martin Luther, John Calvin, Ulrich Zwingli et al., who defined faith as knowledge, assent, and trust in the Lord. Regarding knowledge, we are not called to put faith in someone of whom we have no knowledge. We must know who Christ is, what he has done, and what he is able to do. The Apostle Paul encapsulates the gospel in cryptic terms. Christ was crucified, died for our sins, was buried, proving he was dead, rose again from the grave, and appeared to many eyewitnesses, proving he did rise. That can all be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Now listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these promises you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped depravity, that is in the world through lust. Apart from such knowledge, faith would be a blind conjecture at best and a foolish mockery at worst. Contrary to Soren Kierkegaard, saving faith is not a blind leap into the dark, but a decisive, sensible step into the light of the truth of the gospel. We must not only know what is asserted regarding Christ, but we must believe that knowledge to be true. It is possible, of course, to understand the importance of certain propositions of truth and yet not believe those propositions in a life-changing way. This is more than intellectual assent. Knowledge of and assent to the truth of the gospel is not saving faith.
Knowledge and assent must be accompanied by trust. Psalm 37 verses 2 through 6 and verse 40 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Jeremiah has written, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. That's in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 7. To trust is to believe in the reliability, truth, and ability of something or someone. When it comes to trusting God, that means believing in His reliability, the truth of His Word, and His ability to produce what He promised. Trust always has an object. In this case, it is the Lord where each letter is capitalized. Therefore, I believe it refers to the person of Jesus Christ and to what he did on the cross and to the consequence of his resurrection. Saving faith is not merely truths known nor intellectual assent to the truth of divinely revealed propositions of Scripture. Neither is it believing in doctrines or believing in historical facts. Saving faith must include commitment to Christ. Faith in Christ is primarily trust in Him, based on a true knowledge of who He is, as revealed in the Bible, and assenting to the truth of those facts, and making a life-changing reliance on those knowledgeable facts as true. The revelation concerning Christ includes a twofold aspect, the written word and the personal word. The former has to do with the knowledge content of faith, the latter with the communion content, the former with doctrine, the latter with experience. The former is objective, the latter subjective. The former without the latter leads to a cold, empty, dead orthodoxy. The latter without the former leads to a confused and meaningless mysticism like that of Oprah Winfrey and Shirley MacLaine. The knowledge content and the communion content together lead to the normal Christian experience. Faith is not foolishness, exemplified by the man who started across thin eyes on a pond, saying, I just believe, I have faith this ice will hold me up. His faith could end up all wet because he has no authoritative evidence 
that the ice is strong enough to bear the weight of his body. A person's belief in one's own goodness to get to heaven is similar to that man going across the ice on a pond. Another common foolish view regarding faith is that we don't move God by the supposed strength of our faith. That would require us to try to force God to do our bidding. That is not going to happen. Rather, faith is our response to what God in His grace has already done, as declared in Scripture. We need to be apprised of that fact, and then our life will be more in line with God's plan. Turning toward God is a positive aspect of faith. Repentance is the negative aspect of faith. Repentance is turning away from something or someone. The biblical terms of repentance suggest a change of mind, of judgment, of purpose, of direction, of conduct. Repentance denotes properly a change for the better, a change of mind that is durable and productive of good conduct. We turn now to consider the tenth parameter. God's will is that you must be obedient to His commands and purposes. The Bible has much to say about obedience. In fact, obedience is an essential part of the Christian faith. Jesus Himself was obedient unto death, even death upon a cross. For Christians, the act of denying self Taking up our cross and following Christ means obedience. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That can be found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. These people were practicing lawlessness. That apparently included that they were not operating according to God's commands. They can rightly be asked, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? That can be found in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Obedience can be defined as submissive compliance to the commands of one in authority. Using this definition, we can see the elements of biblical obedience. Submissive indicates that we yield our wills to God's will. Commands speaks of the scriptures in which God has clearly articulated his instructions. The one in authority is God himself. He gives us commands for our good. For the Christian, obedience means complying with everything God has commanded because it will benefit us. It is important to observe that our obedience to God is not solely a matter of duty. 
We obey Him because we love Him. We show our devotion to Jesus by obeying His commandments. That can be found in John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's in John chapter 14, verse 23. Also, we understand the spirit of obedience is as important as the act of obedience. We all know about the child having been told to sit down, responds, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I am standing up on the inside. That child does not have the spirit of obedience. Allow me to close this episode by reminding you to exercise daily, walk with God. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith, with Joe Mott.